0: Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Vikings' first uh, first preseason game uh, is in the books, Jim. And your column late last night must have been written after the game. Talks about the Vikings and their wide receivers. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to read it today. So tell me a little bit about what's in it.
1: So how do you get through your day without having read my column? I know right? why. it's what, amazing. What are your
0: coping mechanisms?
1: <laughs> what what, pres- what prescriptions do you have to help you with this terrible problem?
0: Uh, normally I do read it. I just didn't have a chance to I'm today. Just, I'm just
1: teasing. <laughs> yes.
0: I'm just yes. teasing. Yes, uh, and everybody works uh,
1: in sports to realize that you know people can get through their days without <laughs> us or sports in general. So to answer your question, yes. I, I find very interesting competition. And a very interesting approach to the position. Obviously, Quasi Adolfo Menzo's first draft, he traded out of a position where he could have drafted a talented receiver. It looks like he made the right decision to trade out of that, and then he took a safety. We still don't know how the safety is going to turn out. And then since then, he's been accumulating first-round draft pick receivers. Uh, He drafts Jordan Addison, adds Jalen Rager, adds Nikhil Harry. Uh, Harry, and all three of them look good on thursday night mm-hmm. and what i'm wondering is what rager is due to make 2.4 million powell was signed for about 1.2 million and has you know history in this offense with o'connell and is a good punt returner and harry is making about a million you could keep harry as your fourth receiver and powell as your punt returner and extra receiver and save some money there uh, by getting rid of rager rager played well on thursday night but he also played well against some backups uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they sort all that out. And it's also just interesting that, you know, the way they're accumulating talent at that position.
0: Yeah, and, you know, talented guys, uh, Rager being the most expensive, and he didn't exactly impress when he came over to the Vikings uh, last year with his route running and so forth. And, and uh, it, you know, maybe he has a, a leg up because he's a, a punt returner too. Would that help his cause?
1: Well, I'm not sure because I think most, you know, let's face it, most punts are fair caught yeah. these days. Yeah. And it's, it's great to have somebody back there who might bust one once in a while, and Rager might be that guy. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the best punt returners, in, and we're, we're not in the era of the great punt returners, the Devin Hesters. Yeah. Most punt returners are extra players. They want you to fair catch it. They want you to not fumble. They want you to make a play every once in a while. Is that worth paying for Or is it better to have the – and Powell might be able to do all those things at a cheaper price. Um, And, you know, they're still working on a long-term deal with Justin Jefferson, and they're going to want some cap flexibility going into the season in case somebody gets hurt. And I'm just not sure in that scheme of things whether Rager's worth 2.4. No.
0: Well, uh, you know those things are yet to be worked out, and and those guys, some that you mentioned not Jefferson, of course, uh, but uh, they'll be trying to make the roster in these next couple of preseason games. There, we were talking about yesterday. They might shorten it you know, the preseason a little more. There is some value to having a preseason game or two.
1: Yeah, I don't think the value is in evaluating how your starters perform. Yep. I think the value is the competition for backup spots for special team. It's it's really a, a Grandiose special teams tryout where you also take a look at some position players. Yeah. And now, I think one thing we saw last night is Ty Chandler is going to be a capable backup mm-hmm. running back. I think the fan base tends to get really excited about skilled position players who flash early in preseason. I tend to be more muted about it. Yeah. I don't think we saw superstar ability there. I think we saw a good, solid backup. Uh, I think Wong Wu is going to be a nice third down, you know, receiving type back. I think they have a good good group there. I think McBride almost got himself cut last night. He did not know like he knew how to run the ball in the NFL. Yeah. So I think we're looking at a three-back set, even if there are extra players around. There are three guys who are going to get to work. Quarterbacks, I bet Mullins started off a little shaky, mostly because the offensive line wasn't very good, mm. uh, but then settled in and played well and looked like a, a solid NFL backup quarterback. And I thought, uh, you know, I thought Hall just did not look good. And we can make excuses for him, first NFL game, new system, uh, not a great offensive line in front of him. All those things are true. He still looked uh, unimpressive to me. It, and, you know, maybe he'll impress next week and we can erase this, but that's all we have right now. And he did not look great.
0: Yeah, Uh, you know, I guess in my mind, I'm thinking, well, maybe the Vikings are looking for their own Brock Purdy type of a guy, and usually guys fall in the draft for lack of arm strength, not great size, uh, not great foot speed, Uh, but then Purdy seemed to have a lot of intangibles and an offense perfectly suited for him. Uh, Is Hall get more playing time? Could that be a possibility?
1: Well, that's their hope. Yeah, Uh, They like his mobility, they like his athletic ability. Uh, they think he is capable of putting the ball in a tight spot with touch uh, they think he's going to be able to read defenses and maybe all those things are going to come true and you know and this is what we always talk about in sports right sometimes we, we talk about the exceptions yep. tom brady russell wilson yeah. brock purdy uh, these are great stories and everybody and it's an incredible benefit to your franchise if you can get a quarterback in the later rounds and have that guy be a great player you're not paying him as much you're not paying him like a superstar for at least a while um you know it, it, it's an incredible boost everybody wants it to happen but you know it happens probably what 0.3 percent of the time
0: yeah either when you were gone or when i was over the last couple of weeks the vikings did sign to neil hunter i was curious how that where they got the salary cap money uh wasn't it 17 million that he got and 20 million cap hit i i didn't know they had that kind of cap money
1: yeah, as I always say, and the reason I don't worry too much about cap stuff, while fans really seem to worry about it a lot, mm. I, I, just, I don't know that I've ever seen an NFL team not keep a player that they really wanted, not sign a player that they really wanted, not re-sign a player that they really wanted. Uh, and frankly, I do a podcast with Jeff Diamond, the former Vikings general manager. He always said, you know, he's probably going to end up doing a one- or two-year deal uh, for a salary that starts with a 2 and that's exactly how it played out. Jeff was a little surprised it wasn't maybe a two- or three-year deal. Oh. Uh, it wasn't a longer deal. But this gets him in camp, kicks the can down the road. Uh, I just think the way you know they can structure other people's contracts in a way that allow them to keep Hunter even at a $17 million cap, that just doesn't surprise me.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little golf. A uh, story comes out this week from Billy Walters, who wrote a book, uh, a lot about Phil Mickelson in there, claiming that he wagered a billion dollars uh in, during their time together and lost a hundred million dollars, and Phil denying some of those numbers and so forth. But uh you know, like him or hate him, Phil Mickelson uh, provides a lot of content.
1: Oh my God, does he! And uh the gambling stuff—I've always you know—I'm not a, a PGA Tour beat writer. I know a lot of PGA Tour beat writers. I know people. Who- who really know what's going on behind the scenes. I also know a lot of people in the Minnesota golf community, um, and I have some friends who have some connections in high places. And, frankly, it's just been an open secret Phil Nicholson's entire life that he will he will bet a million dollars on anything, anywhere, anytime. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also consistent with what we're hearing about him now, I've also heard that he welches on bets, that he uh, doesn't pay off. If he loses a big bet, he will try to find a way to not pay it off. Uh, Uh, now Now that's more in the area of rumor than fact, but that's what I hear. And everything I've learned about Phil Mickelson has kind of confirmed the worst rumors I've heard about Phil Mickelson.
0: Yeah boy it's one thing after the next it, it seems like over there and the guys right now you know it's like uh, not even one o'clock here in the afternoon yet but it's pretty f- getting further into the second round some guys that are more toward the 65 to 70 range in the FedEx Cup rankings yet find themselves at the top here is it's is the golf course in Memphis do you think one where uh, a little more of an unknown guy not necessarily unknown but less heralded could win that tournament and really advance their points in the FedEx rankings
1: i never really know how to predict golf because yeah. you know they're all such great ball strikers you know but and if one of them just has a hot week with the putter that can just vault them right into the lead yeah. or thing, you know uh so if, i don't know i really don't know how to predict it um if my without having looked it up my sense is that uh, that tournament usually produces a pretty good player as the winner not necessarily a great player mm. but that's just off the top of my head
0: yeah Uh, Jordan Spieth played well, uh, of course, and he continues to try and regain his full form. I don't know if he'll get back to winning major championships or not. It seems like it's two steps forward, one back for Spieth a little bit, but but he's good to have on the leaderboard. Good for the game, I think.
1: Yeah, I think he's a really good guy. He's a a really fun player because he might do anything at any time. Right. You know, just just the fact, and, and it's just hard to win the way he wins. You think of the people who really dominate the tour, even for short stretches. They tend to be great ball strikers who have a good year or two or however many with their putting. Uh, Spieth is a wonderful putter. Uh, he's an excellent chipper. He's an excellent pitcher. He's great out of the bunker, and he can work the ball both ways. But just the fact that he can't. You know, he can't dominate a course with distance. It puts so much pressure on him making those 8-footers, those 10-footers, and he seemed to make all of them when he was younger. And now he's, you know, he's still a great putter, but he's, he's not just beating the field with his putter the
0: way he used to. Jim, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.